1: He's the only shelter from the coming storm.
2: After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven. He had great authority, and the earth was illuminated by his splendor. With a mighty voice he shouted, Fallen! Fallen is Babylon! She has become a home for demons, a haunt for every evil spirit, a haunt for every unclean and detestable bird. For all the nations have drunk the maddening wine of her adulteries. The kings of the earth committed adultery with her. And the merchants of the earth grew rich from her excessive luxuries. Then I heard another voice from heaven say, Come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins, so that you will not receive any of her plagues, for her sins are piled up to heaven, and God has remembered her crimes. Give back to her as she has given. Pay her back double for what she has done. Mix her a double portion from her own cup. Give her as much torture and grief as glory and luxury she has given herself. In her heart she boasts, I sit as a queen. I'm not a widow. I will never mourn. Therefore in one day her plagues will overtake her. Death, mourning, famine she will be consumed by fire for mighty is the Lord God who judges her. Revelation, the 18th chapter. Never have I seen such a cleaving of a nation as we have witnessed with the reversal of Roe versus Wade. Every Evil bird has come out of their cave. Every evil practice has been displayed in public. The description here is very much a description of those people as they have been cleaved, with those who favor life on one side and those who favor death on the other side. Our nation is clearly divided. many in our nation demand death and violence for the most innocent among us. The nation has been cleaved apart. I don't know which side you're on, but I'm warning you, come out of this. Come out of abortion. Come out of homosexuality. Come out of every gender perversion. Come out. Be separate. Don't participate. He said, her sins are piled up to heaven and God has remembered her crimes. Give back to her as she has given. Pay her back double for what she has done. Mix her a double portion from her own cup. Give her as much torture and grief as the glory and luxury she gave herself. We have a cleaving between those who want a eugenics across America and those who stand for morality and righteousness who will not participate in the in the murder of countless babies now the question that i need to raise if you're to come out of babylon what does that look like and how do you go about coming out of babylon you see and I spoke briefly about this last week, there is such a homogenization of the American culture. Everything is put in the blender and whizzed up and we're given this This smoothie to drink called Americanism. There are some parts of America that are splendid and beautiful there's some parts of America that are murderous and evil beyond our wildest imagination. It's all blended together and everybody takes a drink. I'm, I'm through drinking from the homogenized drink of America. I want what is righteous and what is good. And I'm going to stand... And call for that. And I'm going to call day by day for you to come out of this homogenized America and begin to make very specific and concrete decisions. Take concrete steps out of that homogenized church of today. Take steps to leave what is just casual and wicked. Our public schools are becoming cesspools of socialism. Our colleges and our universities, even conservative Christian colleges have become, as my alma mater, Andrews University in Berrien Springs, Michigan, it has become a cesspool of progressive ideology. I saw it happening as I was attending seminary there. It is much worse today. Now, how how do we begin to come out of this mess, to be separate, to not partake in the sin of America, but to side with the righteous of America because God will have a victory in America he will have a remnant of people who will stand up and say, no, we are not going to go there. We're not going to participate. We serve Jesus Christ. He is Lord. So how do we get there? Let me talk about the steps necessary for my understanding for us to begin to withdraw from every homogenized part of the American culture. It begins with what I call a workable definition of theology. Theology was defined for me when I was in seminary as the study of God. But you know and I know you cannot put God under a microscope and study him. No, God is not the one in question. He was fully revealed for who he is and who he always will be at the at the cross of Jesus Christ. He is always the Redeemer God. He is always patient and loving and kind and long-suffering. He is always calling his people to separate from the world and to repent and to get clean before Almighty God, clean by the blood of Jesus. We'll speak more about that in just a moment. So the first step in the study of theology, the study of walking in Jesus Christ, the study of, of coming out The first great task that we face, and I don't in any way pretend that it's an easy task. The first task is to be very clear in our hearts from scripture about what is truth. Every person has their opinion. I'm not interested in the opinions of men. I'm interested in what God says is truth. Now, we as Americans have believed that truth was a philosophy, a body of information. What we believed, we said, is truth. But according to Scripture truth is a man. His name is Jesus. Jesus Christ is truth. He is not a philosophy. He is not an argument. He is God. And so the very first step of beginning to leave the culture that has been homogenized in the churches of today And in the culture of our day, the first step is to finally read the scriptures and say, what do the scriptures actually say? Turn your TV off. Even turn off most of your social media and ask the question, what is truth? Pursue truth with all of your mind, all of your heart, and all of your spirit, and you will be pursuing a man, Jesus Christ. He must become front and center. He must become the longing of your heart and of your spirit. Now, if you begin to discover who Jesus really is, it means you're going to have to read Matthew, Mark, Luke and John You're going to have to read the scriptures Now I interpret all of the rest of the writings of scripture out of what the gospels teach I don't tra- I don't interpret the gospels by what Paul or Peter or John say I want to hear what Jesus said I want to see who Jesus is And so you begin to come out of this homogenized church, homogenized culture, where everyone is tolerant. I'm not a tolerant man of wickedness and sin. I want nothing to do with it. I want nothing to do with perversion. I want nothing to do with murdering babies. I want Jesus Christ. Now the second step, please, this will take time and energy. This will be time and energy on your part. You must begin to meditate and reflect on what you are finding in the scriptures. Now I was raised in a very conservative denomination. Seventh day Adventist. The Seventh day Adventists made one fundamental mistake with me. They told me that I should read the Bible, that the Bible was the truth. So I read the Bible but I could not find their doctrines in the scripture. And I had to make a choice. Will I believe what the Adventist church teaches or will I believe what the scriptures teach? And at that point, I had no choice but to leave the Seventh-day Adventist teachings about the investigative judgment, about works and faith, many different issues I could not find in the scripture. I found something much, much different. Now, if you're a part of the Assemblies of God, who believe, and by the way, I think for the most part, they're an awesome church. But yes, they believe in the sinning Christian. They don't believe what was held by those who founded Azuzu Street. William Seymour would be in total disagreement with the sinning Christian theology of the assemblies of God. I could go through many churches, the Anglican church. I couldn't be an Anglican because their teachings, their their theology is not to be found in the scriptures. They are a wonderfully homogenized church. But Jesus is not first there. Their traditions overrule the scriptures. It's necessary that we begin to very carefully think about, pray about, meditate upon the word that we're reading, upon the truth that we're finding. And then the third step, okay, now that you know, Begin to put into practice what you have learned in the scriptures. Begin to separate yourself from the wicked. Begin to separate yourself from friends and anyone else who tries to seduce you into going to the strip club or tries to seduce you into going to the casino or tries to convince you that you can be a sinner and still go to heaven. No, you can't. The scriptures are absolutely clear about this. You see, false prophets have come among us, false pastors, false teachers. We've got to go back and actually read what the scriptures say. And then we have to begin to put into practice what we've been taught there. We have to begin to walk in obedience. And it will call for us to repent, for in many ways we have been caught in the homogenized church. Now, this is not new. This is from ancient times. And we have a perfect example of that in the Gospel of John, the third chapter. Let's read it. I'll begin with verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who's come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. Okay. Matthew was written for the Jewish people. Now, I read it and I love it. Mark was the action gospel. It was He was helped by Peter, probably. That's what historians believe. Luke is the historical account, as ordered as he could possibly make it. But John... John speaks to my heart because he doesn't deal just with the surface. He goes deep. Words matter to John. You know that when you read the first chapter of John, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Well, when we come to the story of Nicodemus, He came by night. Now, the only reason you would come by night is so that you would not be seen by friends or associates. And you could have a private conversation with Jesus. And you may also need to come to Jesus at night in private and not tell anyone what you're doing. But come to Jesus and ask your questions of him. He came to Jesus. Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who has come from God. Well, Nicodemus knows that Jesus is not a rabbi. He has not been to rabbinical school. But he compliments Jesus. And by the way, this is the way of the homogenized church we begin to compliment each other. Have you ever heard a pastor, a guest pastor, as he is introduced by the senior pastor, and all the flowery and wonderful things that are said about him? Well, you know when you hear that that you're in a homogenized church. Jesus replies to him in a very interesting way. And I want you to please not be offended, but Jesus is going to say the same thing to you if you are a part of the homogenized America. I tell you the truth, Jesus declared. This was not a suggestion. This is a declaration. I tell you the truth, Nicodemus. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born from above. Now, I want you to be very clear with me. There is the kingdom of darkness, and there is the kingdom of light. There is the kingdom of the devil, and there is the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And they do not stick together. Some of you have tried to hold them together and the result has been you've had one foot in the kingdom of darkness and you've tried to put one foot in the kingdom of Jesus and you have been unsuccessful in doing that. Instead, you have simply been whizzed up in the blender, confused and you now love the world and the things of the world, but now you have a a Christian hue about you. Now, I just need to say this as lovingly as I can. In Jesus' day, he had many people who followed him, and they would have all said that they were Christians, except that hadn't been invented yet. That was invented in Antioch after Jesus was crucified and risen to life. But it means Christ follower. Many of you, if I ask you, are you a Christian? You would answer, absolutely, yes, I'm a Christian, I'm saved. But you're not really. Because you've never been born from above. You've never been born again. You have simply signed up for an institutional religion. You've signed up for something sentimental that you'd like to be a part of. You've signed up because you want to go to heaven. But you've never been crucified with Christ. You've never laid your life down. I have to deal with this all the time. With people who, and I I said last week on Friday, it's been a very painful, difficult week for me and it, And it was a very painful and difficult week because of this very issue, dealing with people who are arrogant, who are self-righteous, who are unwilling to humble their heart and walk in love with brothers and sisters, but always in disagreement, always, always confusing the issue debating, arguing, separating. I don't have patience for this. I have no interest in it. My whole heart is given to the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, you cannot see, or you cannot literally, in the Greek, you cannot experience the kingdom of God unless you are born from above now i i don't feel like i need to say this but i will the kingdom of jesus christ takes total authority over everything in a christian's life seek ye first the kingdom of god and his righteousness his Innocence, the word righteousness in the Greek just means innocence, totally innocent. Seek first his innocence, sinlessness. Jesus was sinless. And if you want to break out of the homogenized world of the modern church, you're going to have to understand that the blood of Jesus has the power to set you free of sin. You no longer are called to walk in that homogenized state. But Jesus is saying, come out and be separate. So come out and seek first his kingdom so that you have no known sin in your life. You are walking in humility and love without judgment. And I'm going to share scriptures that will talk about that in just a moment. I tell you the truth. When Jesus says, I tell you the truth, he means just that. Look, this is what is truth. Truth is, you cannot enter the kingdom of God unless you have been born of water and the spirit. Now, why water and why spirit? Simply because your past sins have to be washed away. And he uses water for that washing. Now Nicodemus knew exactly what he was talking about. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was extremely wealthy. So I'm sure on the upper side of Jerusalem, he had a, a beautiful home. When you would enter into his home at the front door on that beautiful tile, you would find a pool of water large enough for a man to disrobe and dip himself entirely into that pool of water. It was a ritual cleansing to remove all contamination from his body that he would not contaminate the house of Nicodemus. And when Nicodemus came into the house, he too first dipped in the pool to wash away all the contamination that came upon him as he walked through unclean people. So Jesus is saying, look, you cannot enter into this kingdom of mine unless you have been thoroughly cleansed, washed. Your past sins are all forgiven. Secondly, you must be washed and then you must be cleansed In the spirit. I want to read another passage of scripture for you. Keep your finger right there in John the third chapter. But I want to go over here to. The book of Titus. In Titus. The third chapter. I'll begin with verse four. But when the. The kindness and love of God, our Savior appeared. He saved us, not because of righteous things that we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior so that having been justified by his grace, now please, that word justified, you have to understand what it means in the Greek. It is not referring to an imputed legal righteousness. That is a myth. It is speaking here of having been made righteous, dikasune. In the old covenant, you are covered. Your sin is covered. But now you are not covered. You are washed in the water and you are then made righteous. The word justified comes from the old English word to mean made righteous by his grace, not by hard work. Not by hard work. You are made righteous by his grace. Salvation is a free gift of grace. It's not a cover for sin, it's for the removal of sin. I want to read that for you also from the book of Titus, since we're there. In Titus, the second chapter, verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Then these are the things you should teach. Not imputed grace. Not that grace covers your sin. It doesn't. It teaches us That the blood of Jesus removes our sin, not through our white-knuckling work. It's not work and faith together. It is God's faith in Jesus Christ, and he will make us righteous. He will do a supernatural work in your heart. He will change you. Encourage and rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you. And I have to say, I have been very despised, and I keep coming back and saying, no, I know what the scriptures say. I know what the truth is. I'm not going to believe the homogenized, wicked gospel of our day. I'm just not going to walk in that. I'm going to walk clean and fresh, Having been washed with the pure water, the blood of Jesus Christ, and having been made righteous by faith in Jesus so that I am changed, nowhere in all of the scripture is holiness. Hagios, Nowhere is it spoken of in the future tense. It is always in the present tense. Holiness is to be a present experience or we are not going to be brought into the kingdom of God. Death, as the Calvinists want to teach, your sin is removed when you die. You're made righteous then. No, you're not. No, you're not. Death is not my savior. Death is not truth. Jesus Christ is truth. Truth. I am made righteous by Jesus Christ. I don't live under the law. I live in grace and it teaches me to say no to ungodliness and to wickedness. And the, and the mighty power of Jesus moves through my body and my mind. And I am victorious over all sin. Such a gift of grace, such mercy, such love. I want to come back to Nicodemus. Can you imagine Jesus answering Nicodemus by saying, "Nicodemus, I'm excited that you came tonight. Thank you for accepting my ministry. Let's let's talk about how we can work together." Oh, now Jesus would be directly entering into a homogenized gospel of Judaism with Nicodemus. Jesus would not do it. Jesus would not do it. Instead, Jesus said, flesh gives birth to flesh, Nicodemus, but spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born from above, The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. In other words, when you're born of the Spirit, you become a different person. How do you become born from above? Read carefully Romans, the sixth chapter. It describes in detail how this happens. And then Romans, the eighth chapter, tells us that the law of sin and death has been broken and we now live under the law of life. He says, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God or no one can experience the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. To be born of the spirit, To be born of water requires that you give your life up. I want to have truth in advertising. If you want to live in the glory of Jesus Christ and you want to spend eternity with him, you have to go through that narrow gate where you give up all control over your life. How many times I have seen a person Come to Jesus. They say, yes, Lord, I, I accept you. They're baptized. And then the pastor says, and now you're saved. No, you're not saved. It's not you who must accept Jesus. It's Jesus who must accept you. He is the potentate, the ruler, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He is Jesus Christ. He is God. And you must become acceptable to Jesus. And the only way you can become acceptable to Jesus is to take up your cross and be crucified and die to your life. Die to your wants and your desires and your dreams and your bucket list. And you must put everything in the hands of Jesus Christ. He must be the one you bow down to. You bow down to no one else. You bow down to Jesus. It's not easy to have a man die. It's a work that Jesus must do in us, it is a supernatural work of grace where we are transformed into his likeness. Nicodemus cannot accept what Jesus is saying, but there is a calling in his heart by the Holy Spirit, and he has come honestly to ask, to inquire of Jesus. We don't see the fruit of this conversation until Jesus has been crucified. And then Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus go and ask for the body of Jesus and take him to that tomb and prepare him for burial. And then extra biblical sources tell us that Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, with their vast wealth, Finance the New Testament church. They were totally changed. They became humble men who were willing to be public in their affirmation that they belonged to this incredible man, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. They claimed him as their own. Now I want to turn to the book of Galatians. Paul speaks powerfully in the book of Galatians about standing firm, not letting yourself be burdened with the yoke of slavery. That is the slavery of the law. But I would suggest that it's also the slavery of the culture. It's coming out very clearly and cleanly in family and friends and church. If you're a part of one. That you are now totally given over to Jesus Christ. That you no longer are walking in sin and bitterness and anger. They must see you as a new person in Christ Jesus. Your pride is broken. I've read... and I should have gathered it, maybe I can for tomorrow. Stories of Charles Finney as he is holding revival meetings. And one woman who was very, very proud. When finally the Spirit of God comes upon her and she is convicted and she falls down on the floor with weeping. And she prays through this woman who was so boisterous and so noisy and so showy and so, I'm here, everybody, I'm important. After the spirit was done with her, she was quiet, filled with love and mercy and kindness, and began, instead of demanding her way, began ministering to other people. Listen, Galatians, the fifth chapter. You, my brothers, verse 13, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. How many times I've seen churches utterly destroyed by the biting and devouring of the judgmental and self-righteous men and women filled with pride and arrogance who could not bear the burden of another, instead judged and cast out. Listen, so I say live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, And the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other. So that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit you are not under law. It is the kingdom of darkness. It is the demonic kingdom that has its laws. The kingdom of Jesus Christ does not operate by law, it operates by love and self-sacrifice and laying down our lives one for another. The acts of sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, I went yesterday to Barnes & Noble for a, a cold drink and I stood in the children's department looking at the majority of books for young people that are all focused on witchcraft and my heart bled. All of the Harry Potter books And many of you who call yourselves Christians eagerly had your children read the Harry Potter books teaching them to cast spells and to be filled with demons. The sexual immorality of murdering babies. Of saying I can do what I want to do. I'll go to bed with whomever I want to go to bed with and then there must be a law that I can kill my baby. Are you kidding me? This is the kingdom of the twisted demonic realm. It is not from Jesus Christ. In Christ Jesus, we lay our lives down for Jesus and for each other. Listen, he continues, idolatry. What is idolatry? It is putting anything ahead of our mighty Jesus. Our intellectual knowledge, our ambitions, our family. Anything we put ahead of Jesus is an idol. It is idolatry. Dissensions. Factions. I've pastored in many churches, and what has caused my heart more sorrow than any other single thing is to see the cliques develop in the church And to see the bitterness break out between these cliques, destroying each other, biting and devouring each other. And then envy and drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This, my brother, my sister, is what Jesus brings into our hearts. It's real. It is to be our experience as a Christian. And many of you have one foot with the devil's camp and one foot with the Lord. You're on a very slippery slope. You cannot keep your foot. In both worlds, the cleavage is becoming so abundantly clear. Wickedness is being exposed for what it is, and righteousness is beginning to shine forth. Innocence to be like Jesus. Well, we're out of time for today's broadcast. I'm going to continue tomorrow. It is time to come out of the world to separate from the homogenized church, to separate from the homogenized culture, to identify what is truth, to meditate upon that truth, and to say, how do I need to change my behavior to align with the word of God? Read the Beatitudes. Read the Sermon on the Mount. And pray. And then begin to put into practice what you've read. Well, we're coming to the very end of this month. The money is not yet fully in place to pay for the radio for this month. So please, if the Holy Spirit calls you, go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. You can give online. Or you can write to me. I'd love to hear from you. Our address is National Prayer Chapel Post Office Box 2346 Woodbridge Virginia 22191 2219 Oh is it is that the right zip code let me check that no it's 22195 22195 My brother my sister I hope this has been helpful to you today come out and be separate be bold and enter into the kingdom of Jesus Christ and let your heart be filled with love and peace and joy and the, the fruit of the spirit I'll talk to you soon I love you thank you for being here would you please subscribe to our channel on YouTube and I'll talk to you soon